Hello and welcome to the A-Level Law for Students podcast. We will be following the OCR specification and today we will be looking at causation, which is a continuation of the actus reus. All result crimes require the prosecution to prove a connection between the defendant's conduct and the consequence. This is a key aspect of causation. For example, if I stab Daniel and he dies, I would be the cause because there is a connection between my conduct, which is stabbing Daniel, and Daniel's death, which is the consequence. There are two types of causation, factual causation and legal causation. Factual causation is when we ask whether, but for the defendant's conduct, would the consequence had occurred as and when it did. If the consequence would have occurred anyway, the defendant will not be the factual cause. The but-for test is established in R.V. White, 1910. The defendant, White, put cyanide in his mother's drink, but she died of a heart attack before she could drink it. The cyanide did not kill her. The heart attack did. But for White's conduct, his mother would still have died, so he was not the factual cause of her death. Legal causation is made up of three parts. The de minimis principle, intervening acts, and the Finn school rule. The de minimis principle means that there may be more than one act contributing to the consequence and there may be more than one defendant involved. The legal rule of the de minimis principle is that the defendant can only be guilty if their conduct was more than a minimal cause of the consequence. This is established in R.V. Padgett, 1983. Padgett gets into a shootout with the police. He uses his pregnant girlfriend as a human shield and she dies. As he made more than a minimal contribution to his girlfriend's death, he was liable. The de minimis principle also uses the case of R.V. Kimsey, 1996, to say that there must be more than a slight or trifling link between the defendant's conduct and the consequence. In Kimsey, 1996, Kimsey and Osborne are driving at high speeds very close together. Osborne crashes and due to Kimsey having more than a slight or trifling link to the accident, Kimsey is liable. The second part of legal causation is intervening acts. Novus actus interveniens. We have three types of intervening acts. Acts of a third party, the victim's own acts, and acts of God. Acts of a third party only break causation if the act is sufficiently independent of the defendant's conduct and is sufficiently serious. However, medical negligence rarely breaks the chain of causation and will only do so if the doctor's actions are so independent of the defendant's contribution and so potent in bringing about the consequence that they render the defendant's contribution insignificant, as seen in Cheshire. There are three separate cases for medical negligence and you must know which to use when answering a question. The first case is R.V. Cheshire, 1991. The victim's injuries were no longer life-threatening but he had a rare complication to the emergency treatment and died. The defendant was still the cause of death as the procedure and the complication were significantly connected with the original injury. The second case relating to medical negligence is R.V. Smith, 1991. The victim had more severe injuries than the medics had appreciated. As a result, he was not treated for them and died. His treatment was deemed thoroughly bad but the defendant remained the cause of death as the original injury was still operating and substantial at the time. 
Arvi Jordan, the victim, is in hospital for stab wounds. He's prescribed antibiotics before being taken off them, as he's allergic. A doctor doesn't read his medical notes and prescribes a larger dose of antibiotics. The victim dies. This treatment was deemed palpably wrong. As the victim died due to an allergic reaction and not the stab wounds, the defendant was not liable. Instead, the palpably wrong treatment broke the chain of causation. The three medical negligence cases, R.V. Cheshire, R.V. Smith and R.V. Jordan, are the main cases you need to use in any question. However, sometimes you may need to use R.V. Maltrique. R.V. Maltrique is where doctors switch off the life support as the victim is brain dead. The ending of treatment does not break the chain of causation. Now we are going to go on to the acts of the victim, which is still part of the intervening acts. Acts of the victim will not break causation unless they are daft or unexpected, as shown in R.V. Roberts, 1971. A young woman accepts a lift from a stranger who tries to sexually assault her, so she jumps from the car, injuring herself. This is not a daft or unexpected response, and is within the range of acceptable responses to the situation. This means that the defendant is still liable for her injuries. However, the chain of causation can be broken by the acts of the victim. In R.V. Williams and Davis, 1992, the defendants pick up a hitchhiker and try to rob him. The hitchhiker jumps from the vehicle and is injured. The defendants are not liable for the hitchhiker's injuries as his response was daft or unexpected as he was not in any danger. Additionally, if a victim makes her injuries worse or neglects them, the defendant will remain the cause of any consequence. In Deer, 1996, the defendant attacks a man who had sexually assaulted his daughter. The victim receives medical treatment in hospital but reopens the wounds in an attempted suicide and dies. The defendant was liable as it did not matter that the victim had intentionally made his wounds worse. In R.V. Holland, 1841, the defendant was involved in a fight. A deep cut occurs on the victim's finger. The victim did not receive medical attention and the wound became infected. The wound later developed gangrene and he was advised that his arm must be amputated. The victim still refused this and died. The defendant was liable as it didn't matter that the victim had neglected his injuries. The final part of intervening acts are the acts of God. There are currently no cases for this and it is defined as natural but unpredictable events. The final part of legal causation is the Finscore rule. This is where the defendant must take the victim as they find them and it concerns the whole man, meaning any physical, mental or religious attribute. It also concerns the inability to swim. This is shown in R.V. Blau, 1975. The victim refused the sexual advances of the defendant who stabs her. She refuses a vital blood transfusion due to her Jehovah's Witness beliefs and dies. Due to the Finn school rule, the defendant was responsible for her death. Now I will summarise the key facts of causation. The prosecution must prove a causal connection between the consequence and the defendant's conduct. There are two types of causation, factual causation and legal causation. In factual causation, you must use the but-for test established in white. With legal causation, there are three separate parts. The de minimis principle, intervening acts and the Finskull rule. The de minimis principle means that the defendant must make more than a minimal contribution to the consequence. This is shown in Padgett, and that there must be more than a slight or trifling link between the defendant's conduct and the consequence, shown in Kimsey.
From the intervening acts, we're going to start with acts of a third party. The act must be sufficiently independent and sufficiently serious to break causation. Medical negligence rarely breaks causation unless the doctor's contribution renders the contribution of the defendant insignificant. R.V. Cheshire establishes that if a medical complication is significantly connected to the original injury, that the defendant will still be liable. R.V. Smith establishes that even if the treatment is thoroughly bad, it will not break the chain of causation. R.V. Jordan establishes that if the treatment is palpably wrong, it will break the chain of causation. R.V. Maltrek establishes that the doctors switching off life support will not break the chain of causation. In the acts of a victim, the acts of a victim will only break the chain of causation if they are daft or unexpected. This is shown in R.V. Roberts and R.V. Williams and Davis. Additionally, if a victim makes their injuries worse or neglects them, the defendant will remain the cause of any consequence. This is shown in R.V. Deer and R.V. Holland. The final part of intervening acts are the acts of God. There are currently no cases for this. These are natural but unpredictable events that will break causation. The last part of legal causation is the Finskel rule. This is where the defendant must take the victim as they find them and concerns the whole man. This is shown in R.V. Blau. Hopefully this has helped consolidate your knowledge on causation.